0: go about typing someone. That's what I want to talk about in this episode. Hi, I'm Tim Van Milligan. Today I'd like to talk about how to type people. When we type people, what we're trying to do is to figure out their personality, and and really, what is personality? And if you break it down to its simplest terms, it's about behavior. And so when people try to type others, the first thing that they look at is behavior. Um, In the Myers-Briggs system, there are four dimensions of personality. Um, Incidentally, in the big five personality system, there's five dimensions of personality. And so you break them down and if you're looking at behavior, you go through them one at a time. So the first one is introvert versus extrovert. So you look at the person's behavior and you say, are they more introverted or are they more extroverted? And then you go to the next one, which is sensing versus intuition. Are they a sensor person or are they an intuitive person? And you look at their behavior to try to figure this out. Now, hopefully you might see the downfall in this, and that is is it takes a long time to do it because you're looking at one dimension of personality at a time. And in effect, this is exactly how personality assessments are done. They break it down and they look at each of the dimensions of personality individually. And when you take an assessment, you answer questions one at a time, you know. Do you like to be around other people or do you like to spend some time alone? And how you answer that will determine introvert versus extrovert. Like I said, this takes a long time. So what I like to do, since I'm an engineer, is I like to go deeper, below the surface. So, you know, think of personality as an onion. So that outer layer we call personality. So, if we peel back that outer layer, what we get down to is behavior. And so, I want to go deeper. So, what is behavior? So, if you peel it back, and what you discover is behavior is a set of consistent actions. So, a person can take actions, but if they're not consistent, you wouldn't call it a, a behavior. How many times have you heard somebody say, you know, This is not their behavior. This is a one-time event. This is just crazy for this person to do this. And you particularly hear this in like a courtroom. (laughs) So what behavior is, as I said, is a set of consistent actions. So let's go a little bit deeper. So what is an action? How do actions occur? And so um, actions occur because of a decision. So people make a decision, if they make that same decision over and over again, it becomes a consistent action, which turns into a behavior and then we can describe it as a personality. But how do people make decisions? And that's the next layer down. Um, And how people make a decision is where it starts getting a little bit murkier. And so, if you study personality for a long enough time, you eventually, to answer this question, you come across what are called the cognitive functions. The cognitive functions, there, there's eight cognitive functions, and they're things like introverted sensing, extroverted thinking, um, introverted feeling, and uh, extroverted intuition, things like that. And, and they sound weird and but there's definitions for them, but unfortunately, people don't have, you know, consistent definitions for them. So if, and it depends on who you talk to and what kind of definition you get for them. And, and what, to make things even worse, there are the order of these eight cognitive functions will define a person's personality because of how they think and the order of these cognitive functions is called the cognitive stack and you know your your primary how you make decisions is from that first um, cognitive function in the stack so for me i'm a, i'm a istj so my first cognitive function is introverted sensing and so My behavior is mostly introverted sensing, how I make decisions. But did you see what I did there? In order to find my cognitive stack, I first needed to know my Myers-Briggs personality code. And this is what makes cognitive functions very hard to use to type someone because you usually do it backwards. You have their Myers-Briggs code, and then you start peeling up and getting into their cognitive function stack. So if you wanted to go the other way and find their Myers-Briggs code, it's almost next to impossible. You, You really have to study this person a long time to figure out their behavior. And then from that, you make a guess as to what their personality type is. ah. Uh, it's the, the question that I always ask is, can this be used to type someone? And more importantly, can you use it to predict someone's behavior? Because that's really what we want to do is we want to predict behavior. Um, as i said i have yet to see at least any two people agree on the definition of any cognitive function and depending on who's describing it usually they're describing themselves and they'll you know they'll say you know i'm a si and here's what si means to me and then they start going into it well what would happen you know they're describing themselves and so they think they're describing themselves well but what would happen if that person has mistyped themselves and so then they start saying you know what si means to them and it doesn't agree with the definition from anybody else and this is the problem i have with the cognitive functions is people can mistype themselves really easy and i see this all the time and then they start talking about the cognitive functions as if they are an expert in them. But they're, they're giving definitions that are of what it means to them personally, but maybe not necessarily what it means to somebody else. And so it just makes the waters even more muddy. And this is why I, I've given up on the cognitive functions. And in fact, you know, I consider it to be a dead end because in the end, even if you could agree on the definition of a cognitive function, can you use it to type somebody? And I have yet to be able to see anybody that can do it consistently consistently, or quickly. And that's the important thing. But where are cognitive functions used? Well. They're usually used in settings where you're comparing one person to another. Usually like in a business setting, you'll say, why is Bob so different from everybody else in the office? And then they'll start launching into cognitive functions, trying to explain how Bob is making his decisions. Is there a different way to type somebody? And this is where my journey started. Around 2011, I came to realize that people with similar personalities had similar values. And basically, if you get down to it, this answers a different question. You know, the question that we've been trying to answer is, how do people make decisions? But when you change the question and ask, why did somebody make that decision, now you can answer it. And the reason that they made that decision is because something that they value is in play here. So when somebody's given a choice between A or B, they will always, and this is a law, they will always pick that Choice that is more valuable to them. And um, in business, as particularly in sales where I'm involved, there's this saying that people are irrational. They don't make the decisions that should be most valuable to them. And this is why <laughs> they, they come up with the phrase people. Don't buy with logic. They buy with emotions, and this drives me crazy because this is one of my—it's uh, just something that drives me crazy because there's 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 no evidence of this. See what's happening in that situation is there are multiple values in play. It's just not one value. So, say a salesperson asks you a question, it's like. Um, if I could show you that this item right here will solve your problem, would you buy today? And the prospect says, yeah, I'll, I'll buy to that day. And then the salesperson launches into his presentation and he proves that the product that he's trying to sell will solve the problem. And then he comes back to the customer and he says, I've showed you that this will solve your problem. Are you ready to sign? And then the customer says no. And from that, the salesperson person says, well, they've just thrown logic out the window. So people don't buy based on logic, they buy on emotion. It's got to be, right? Well, no, because there's other values that are in play. So he's thinking that, solving that one particular problem is the most important value to that person. Where it may be that the salesperson themselves is displaying some kind of behavior that is, um, you know, what's a polite way to say it, (laughs) is this this is what happened with Bud Light. You know, they created this product and they say, this is a great product. You should buy this product. And then all their customers say, no, we're not going to buy that product because you're trying to push in onto us a different value at the same time, a value that we don't want. And so the salesperson doesn't see this happening. He thinks his mind is focused on that one particular issue and he doesn't see how his behavior and how he's trying to push different values onto the prospect is interfering with the sale. There are multiple values in play in any situation. You can't base conclusions by trying to just isolate one of them a different value may override the situation. The person is still logical, it's just a different value criteria wasn't being considered. So values can be used to classify the different personality types, and this is what I realized. You just have to find or create a list of values by personality temperament. And this was hard at first. Um, When I first started, you know, I didn't know how to type people. So I went to experts, you know, and and typically it's kind of like, the experts will type all these celebrities, you know, particularly they'll start with presidents and they'll say, okay, what, what was personality type of this president? And then from that list, I would go to, you know, like a particular president And then just start reading what he said and, um, you know, listening to quotes of that president to find out what they valued. And I started creating a list. Here's where it gets hard is there's an infinite number of values. And if you let that get in the way of your goal of trying to create a list of values, you'll give up. And I hit on the realization that there's there's different classes of values, and I call these the four Ps. And I talk about this in my my course on selling. But the most important value that we want in, in our situation, I call them the guiding principles, or you could call them success principles. These are what the person feels that If they follow these principles, it will lead to success. And this is the list that I started creating. At some point, you have to ask yourself, why do a certain group of people have similar values? So, Now, you know, going back to our onion analogy, we started out with personality, then we went to the next layer's behavior, then we went to decisions, and then when we got to decisions, instead of asking how people make a decision, we asked why they made that decision. And from that, we determined they made that decision because of a particular value. And then we created a list of values for each of the four temperaments. And and notice here that I'm talking about the temperaments, not the individual 16 types that are in the Myers-Briggs. The temperaments are a larger group. So we're gonna take the 16 and we're gonna break it down into into four. And so how do you break 16 types down into four temperaments? And the way you do it is by looking at the, the letter codes and the The first person that I read that had done this was David Kersey, and he wrote the books Please Understand Me, and then a second book, Please Understand Me, number two. And what he did was he found that the temperaments are specific Myers-Briggs letter combinations. So the first one is SP, so if you have, in your Myers-Briggs, if you're sensing, perceiving, that's one temperament. And then the next one is SJ, so sensing, judging, and that's kind of my temperament. And then the third one is NT, so intuition, thinking. And then the final one is intuition, feeling. And what David Kersey did was he gave them metaphors to describe their behavior. So the SPs, he called the artisans. Um, The SJs, he called the guardians. The NFs, he called the idealists. And the NTs, I forget what he called them. Uh, Eventually, I'll think of it. But basically, the names describe a behavior. And... Now we have four temperaments, and if you compare these four temperaments to other personality systems, you'll notice that there's still four. You know, like look at the DISC system, there's four of them. There's the D, the I, the S, and the C. The D stands for driver, I stands for uh, influencer, S is steady, and C is um, conscientious, I think it is. And so the D is the SJs. The I is the SPs. The S is the... I think these are the NTs. And then the C is the NFs. Or it's, it's flip-flopped the other way. The, the way that DISC tries to classify people is, uh, is kind of weird. Uh, they... You know, you have... Notice here that in Myers-Briggs, and when you break it down into the four temperaments, the, the, the letters that don't show up are E and I, introvert and extrovert. No matter who you are, it's immaterial to temperament type. But in the DISC system, they use that as one way to define a person's temperament, um, and they'll they'll and instead of using introvert versus extrovert, they'll they'll change it a little bit, and they'll say you know outgoing or reserved. Um, and then the other one they use is thinking versus feeling. Um, so, in their their system, gets confused really quick. It's really hard to type somebody because you're trying to go introvert versus extrovert, where that really doesn't show up in the four temperaments if you use Myers-Briggs system. Um, the problem with all of these definitions of temperament is that they, they define the definition as a behavior. So, um, guardian, which is the SJ. Um, it's, it's kind of an adjective of a person, how they behave. And so you're supposed to look at somebody and, and you're going to say, do they behave like a guardian? And that can work, um, but you never know because uh, <laughs> you have to type for a long time to figure them out. But here's the good thing about it that I like about it. Once you know somebody's temperament, you can go back and figure out at least two of the four-letter code. So if you determine somebody is a guardian, that automatically tells you that somebody is an SJ. It's kind of like a chemical formula. You know, and I, I've used this analogy. Say you're, you have a substance in front of you and it's water. And you want to know the chemical composition of that. Um, and so you, so if, you, if, if it was a personality, what, what the traditional thing to do would be to separate the personality into its components. So break it down and then look at each of the individual elements, and then you can say, oh, this is uh, it's, I see um, hydrogen here and I see oxygen here. Well, so that's the hard way of doing things. And that's the way most people try to type other people is they try to break it down into those individual components. But with the temperaments, you can go in reverse. You can say, I see water, therefore I know it's gotta be hydrogen and oxygen. I know that with 100% certainty. Um, And that you can do the same thing with the temperaments. Okay, I see this person right here and in Kersey's definition, he's a guardian. Therefore, he's gotta be an SJ. And this allows you to type people really fast because it is really easy to pick up on temperaments. It's a lot easier to pick up on a temperament than it is a behavior. Um, another analogy I use is um, like colored water. You know, if you take yellow water and blue water and you mix them together, what color do you get? You get green. So if you see somebody and you know, you know, they're, they're showing green, I know that they, the, the, the two parts of that is yellow and blue. And so now I got at least two of the four Um, dimensions of their personality. And And it's actually the most important because those two determine somebody's values. My issue with Kersey's definitions of the four temperaments is they describe behavior. And everybody has different ways of describing behavior. So instead of using metaphors that describe behavior, what I do, and it works for me, is instead of using an adjective to describe the four temperaments, I use a noun, and it's specifically a occupation. So the four temperaments that I use are warrior, logistical, strategist, and morale officer. And if you look at all four of them together, they make up a human army. The The other issue that I have with um, Kersey and all the other typing systems or personality systems is that you have, you know, you have guardians and artisans. And it's kind of like guardians are from Venus and um, artisans are from Mars, and so they're they're like separated, and they're on two different planets. But here's the thing: they're still humans. They could still intermarry and mate and have kids, and that's what defines a species. Is this you know if you can re- reproduce. But they treat them like Venus and Mars, and I don't. I don't like that analogy because we're all humans. So I looked for an analogy that says, we all need to work together. And when we work together, we can do incredible things. We're like an army. Um, And so when you think of a warrior, you start thinking, okay, how would this warrior behave? Well, the way I look, my definition is a warrior in an army brings the fight to the enemy. You know, you have soldiers on one side, soldiers on the other side, and they fight each other. Those people are called your warriors. They're going to be, you know, swinging the swords and hacking with clubs. Um, Then the second type of people I use the name logisticals, and this is my personality temperament, the SJs. The logisticals in the army provide the resources that the warriors and then the rest of the army need to fight whatever battles they're they're waging. The third kind of uh, temperament is the morale officers. These are the NFs. And the morale officers, their purpose for the army is to... Um, to give courage to the army. Because if your army doesn't engage in the battle, you've already lost. And so the morale officers are an indispensable part of the army. You can't win a war without morale officers. And then the final one is the strategist. The strategist, my definition is that group of people that enhance the efficiency of the army because you never have enough warriors, you never have enough resources and logistics, and you never have enough morale officers. So you need somebody that can come up with plans to make the army more efficient. And so I use these occupations to describe the temperaments. And so if I see somebody engaging in warrior-like behavior, it just clicks for me. I ought to be thinking SP, this person of of their four Myers-Briggs letter codes, I know they're gonna have SP in there because that's the definition of a warrior. And when I made this discovery, then typing became so much faster and so much easier, because it, it is easy to pick up on that type of behavior and in fact it opens up so many more clues because warriors when they talk they talk like they're in a battle and they'll use words like kill destroy crush um, explode and you know it's in their vocabulary and it comes easy for them and then they're just spewing out these words and it's kind of like if you hear them and you say which of the four temperaments would say would be most likely to be saying those types of words, destroy, kill, explode. Um, yeah, you gotta say this is you know it's maybe I should be thinking this person's a warrior. And so, what do you do with this? Well, you know, like I said, it, you know, once you discover that people behave like an occupation in the army, what it means is that there's a purpose for everybody. So remember our onion again, on the top we had personality and that's the general thing that we're describing here. And then under that we had behavior, then actions, then decisions, then values, and then the core is purpose. Everybody has a purpose. And then when you look at purpose, then you look at those values and say, yeah, those values, they, if that person's purpose was to fight a war, those values make sense for them. And it's a cluster of values, you know, and, and for each of the personality temperaments, I've identified and categorized, you know, approximately 20 for each, each personality temperament. Um, some have more, some have less. Um, you know in the process of trying to isolate each of the values is um, it's an ongoing process. I don't think it'll ever be done because I discover more um, all the time. It's just it, but they're getting more and more subtle, you know the major ones you see, So assume there's like 20 and so warriors, you know so 20 times four is 80 so you got this cloud of 80 different values these success principles and the warriors you know they 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 group themselves to about like 20 of those 80 and then the 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 uh, logisticals like myself we have you know approximately 20 that are in a different category But sometimes they overlap with the warriors, but most of the time you can kind of separate them. Um, And this is, it can make typing, it, it sounds like it's nebulous, but actually it makes it go so much faster. And when I'm typing somebody, I use values as the final arbitrator as to what temperament they're in. I'll always come back to my list of values. I've also discovered once you're able to type somebody, you start noticing other clues as well. Um, and I, I mentioned one of them, you know, like warriors, when they talk, they, they use words that you would hear on a battlefield. Uh, so those words that they use is a clue And there's other clues as well. So you have multiple clues that you can use to type somebody. But I always come back to values as the final arbitrator. You know, if you're, you can't decide if somebody's a a warrior or a logistical, I'll look at the values and say, okay, okay, they got these values over here, I'm going with logistical. And then once you choose logistical, Then you got at least two of the four and these are the two most important ones because they have to do with values. So now, not only have I typed somebody, but at the same time, I've got a list of potential values that this person will use to make decisions. So for example, uh, it's like a um, a. Logistical, like myself, and I use this example all the time here on this podcast, is that we value time. Time is a success principle. If we use time wisely, we will have success. And we also value integrity. So integrity for, for me is say what you mean and mean what you say. I don't like to have contract with anybody because if I tell somebody I'm going to do something, that's a verbal contract. I don't need it written down on a piece of paper because I value integrity so high. I don't need it written down. So if you meet somebody that's a logistical like me and you type them um, and say you, you type them that... Um, the, the way you came about typing them is you notice that they are very um, time conscious. You know, they're never late. Um, and then they say, be on time. You know, they'll, they'll promote this as one of their values. You know, the, the reason I'm so successful is I'm never late. So what you can do with this is when you're trying to persuade them, you could, tr- you could go that route and say, you know, this product right here, it's gonna save you time. But if they've already told you that they value time, I don't like using that value. So I'm gonna go into my bag of values and pull out a different one. Maybe I'll pull out integrity. So instead of trying to sell them that my product is gonna save them time, I'm gonna sell them that the product has integrity. So it it opens up a lot of different approaches that you can use to persuade somebody based on their cluster of values. This is the only system of personality that actually can be used to predict somebody's behavior and to persuade them to, you know... It sounds like manipulation, but it's not manipulation. It manipulation, the difference between persuasion and manipulation is intent. I'm not trying to manipulate somebody. I'm trying to help them. And if I and it and if it takes persuasion to do that, I now have a bag of tools that I can use to do that that's based on their personality. So when I first meet somebody, I need to type them quickly. And this is why I am so adamant on learning how to type somebody because if you can type them quickly and i can type somebody in seconds at least getting two of their four myers briggs you know getting the their temperament if you can get that quickly then you can say that person of the 80 plus values in the that are categorized as success principles They gravitate towards this group of 20 over here. So from that group of 20, this is what I'm going to use to craft my persuasion message. And does it work? Oh yes, it works. You wouldn't believe how it works. There's a whole science of studying values, but they haven't made the connection that values and personality are two sides of the same coin. That's kind of where we're gonna end today, but um, in the next episode, I wanna talk about some of those values, in particular values that show up on two different temperaments. Um, And so when you're, you're talking to somebody and they say, this is one of my values, and then you go to the list of values and it shows up on two, on two different temperaments. What do you do with that? And I'll give you a little hint, it all has to do with context. So we'll, we'll talk about that in the next episode. So thank you for joining me on this journey of persuasion and sales success using personality theory. As you implement these strategies, Anticipate an upward spiral of success. And stay tuned for more episodes.